0: You're listening to the RUV English Podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English. Hello, this is the RUV English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you very much as ever for your company. And we start this week by looking back at the week in Iceland, which is, of course, a strand that continues here on the RUV English podcast service. Delighted to say that my guest today is Valer Gretesson, who is the former editor of Grapevine magazine, but also a colleague here at RUV now as well, which is very exciting. So welcome thank you thank you darren and we i guess start by just you know reflecting a little bit on what you did at grapevine and i know a lot of people Will be screaming a question at their radio or their smart device or whatever. They'll be saying, "How is Polly?" Yes, how is I, she?
1: I was actually. I, well, the, the thing is, I'm not the most uh, organised man uh, in the world. Uh, I thought this was going to be tomorrow, uh, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not working at the office tomorrow, and I was planning to take Polly actually with me. Oh. But yeah, it was today, so it didn't really matter. But. Uh, I have to, do, to come with her another day. Right,
0: so when can I meet Polly? Yeah, is the next s- question.
1: Soon like yeah, it can't be too soon, can it? Uh, no. No. I just I'm feeling the place. It's like how, how okay are they with dogs here actually? Well,
0: I've I've been here once when a dog came into the office. I forget whose dog it was, but everything stopped and yeah. everyone was smiling for about half an hour. So I think yeah. Polly is going to be welcomed like the superstar that she is. Yeah.
1: But it's not good to to stop the national broadcast uh, broadcast in Iceland uh, from reporting for half an hour.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Right. you don't need to take her into the studio when when boys doing the news or anything. You know, that, that's fine. It's like
1: it's like kind activism against uh,
0: Well, we've got a lot to discuss this week. And when we, and you're right, this is Monday that we sit here having this conversation, Monday morning. Seven days ago, we were reflecting on news that was just a couple of hours old, which was of the avalanches which Mm -hmm. were still falling in East Iceland. Right. As of yesterday, the first of the month, or a couple of days ago, the evacuations have come to an end. But I guess the first thing to say is enormous relief that there weren't any serious
1: injuries. It's it's incredible, to be honest. Uh, this was much bigger than we have seen for the longest time, when it comes to this area at least. Uh, these were not one or two avalanches. Were, these were few. Uh, the weather was very heavy and uh, just to uh, for people just to imagine the situations, imagine like traps, the show or yeah, something. Yeah. This was like that, like on steroids, more or less. It was dark and heavy. Uh And the thing is, of course, these uh, avalanches goes down and they have these three, uh, uh, what do you call it, like uh, in the mountain hills, it catches the The snow over the whole town and Mm. that definitely saves the town, more or less. This could have gone very badly. Uh, But they haven't uh, finished all of these uh, structures that we have uh, to to meet this threat. Uh, And they they went down, of course, to this one house, more or less, but there were like uh, well over 10 cars that were... Just like, uh, I mean, we were seeing pictures of this and they were literally just laying around there yeah. like some giant had just been playing with them and just throwing it away. Yeah. It, it was very like humbling just to see uh, the aftermath of this, because on Saturday, the weather just went from like horrible to sunny and, and wonderful, actually. And just for the people, and I actually spoke to the the mayors uh, in the area, mm. uh, and he said just to see the the aftermath of this and the destruction, yeah. they, they, they were like overwhelmed. It was much more than they thought.
0: Yeah, and those weather alerts were in place for days. I mean, long yeah. after the rest of the country was, as you say, if not bathing in sunshine, right. but certainly having much more yeah. moderate conditions. The, exactly. the East Fjords particularly had an orange alert until Saturday, I think.
1: Until Saturday. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was really odd because the, the people in the, even in Reykjavik did not connect with this because nope. we just saw it was just fine weather, it was like almost 10 degrees which in Iceland is like, like being in Tenerife or something <laughs> in Spain. is like incredibly warm. Yeah, yeah. So, it's
0: funny I drove out to Keplavik on Friday to pick up my partner and I phoned my parents who live in the UK and, of course, yeah. they've been following some of this news and, and they said, are you all right? Is everything fine? So it was the other end of the country. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is striking just how how different conditions were right. in the east of Iceland yeah. compared with the entirety of the rest yeah. of the country.
1: It was just flat out odd. I yeah. mean, I don't see this often. I don't remember this kind of weather often before myself. Also, no. of course, I don't know how much you've talked about this, of course, in the podcast, but also just uh, this was like a psychological like a trauma also for a lot, mm. lot of people mm. that lived mm. in the area, in, in, in at least in studies. Um, because they had uh, avalanches there uh, in the 70s. And there were a lot of people that actually died in that that Mm. time. Mm. And they kind of, it's like, it's an odd history. I didn't even know about these avalanches until very late on. Like, I was probably in my 30s when I heard first about that, because they kind of just buried this. Mm. This This was just hard memories for these people. And they didn't think about it for decades when this happened, it kind of just tore open uh, an old wound.
0: And I think not just for people in East Iceland, but memories of avalanches, which, of course, took and claimed lives in other parts of the country as well, in the Westfjords, for example. Especially in the Westfjords, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so people all over Iceland have been looking at this. And I think at the start of the week... Crossing their fingers and hoping and, and praying, if that's what they chose to do, yeah. that we weren't going to see a repeat of any of that. And happily, yeah. we can sit here a week later and say that that what that wasn't right. what happened. It's it, tremendous.
1: It's it's incredible. It's like it, it's nothing than sheer luck that it didn't go worse than it did.
0: Yeah. So also this week, the government released its budget, and um, the the cons- if there is a consensus around this, it <laughs> seems to be from a lot of people that more work needs to be done to get a grip on inflation. The central bank have increased interest rates 12 times now in yeah. a row, and obviously you increase interest rates in the hope that that's going to reduce inflation, but it right. doesn't seem to be working yet. So yeah. there is this sense, isn't there, yeah. that uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, a lot of people seem to think the government need to do more, but there's right. not agreement on what that is. No. The thing, of course, that we
1: have our inflation rates now are around 10%, which is uh, pretty high. The government has been criticized heavily for not having a clear uh, view on what to do here. And it's it's very important that they do. Mm. Uh, To add to the pressure, we also have have the loaning system in Iceland when it comes to houses Mm. uh, are very connected to this. Uh, We are very vulnerable when it Mm. comes to our housing and uh, the inflation. This means that uh, when when the the interest rates goes up, uh, the our uh, our housing loans uh, they they spiral up mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. So we have we have been hearing about people that have been uh, trying to like they they were tr- perhaps paying let's just say imagine imagine a, a, a like a payment of hundred and fifty thousand, and that's probably around t- two hundred and fifty thousand now. Mm. So this is almost bankrupting people. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that they can do actually is to transform their loans into these loans that uh, uh, where the the interested uh, interest are protected. The fixed rate. The fixed yeah, rate, yeah. 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 yeah, which is incredibly uh, expensive loan for for, uh, for people and not good for for mm-hmm. this situation. So this could actually become quite dire before yeah. we know of.
0: And I think I'd read as well this week that somewhere around 4,000 people are just, they're on the edge of those fixed rates expiring. So right. the, the protection that they've had from these rising rates, yeah. that's going to fall away for them.
1: And just, just uh, it, it's ironic, we actually call this avalanches also. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah. This is like awaiting a, a avalanches uh, that, that we will see probably both this year and yeah. late next year. This, this is the time because we know that tens of thousands of people did this fixed rate thing uh, a, f- a few years ago. Mm. And uh, most of them will be out then. And then you will have perhaps mm.
0: quite some crisis. Well, one economist that Ruv spoke to this week, Ketrin Olavsdottir, economist and associate professor at Reykjavik University, thinking that some of the measures which are in place, for example, corporation tax is going up. Uh, by one percent from twenty percent to twenty one. She says, "Yeah, that's fine, but it's not going to, you know, no, not going to move right. move things in the way that they need to be moved." And she is talking about the idea of a windfall tax because the government gave lots of money to various companies during COVID. Yeah, right. And those same companies are now doing quite well. Yeah, exactly. so that there's a case for saying, "Let's have, I guess, some of that money back as much as
1: anything." Else. It, right. That's actually interesting. I haven't heard that uh, point of view, but it, it definitely makes. Uh, You can't make, it can't make sense. Uh, the thing, of course, like, uh, like one percent. Like you have, you have the government of like a right wing party and the left wing wing party, and then you have the progressive party in the middle. Mm. Uh, you can see obviously that the independence party, which is to the right, they don't want to uh, raise the the company taxes. One percent, I agree, it's not that much. Uh, at the same time, the independence party want to cut down the the service for like all kind of stuff, like when it comes to public service. Mm. This is something that the left greens obviously do not want to. So you can see these fights within the political uh, like view. Where do you want to, uh, how do you want to like face this? Mm. Also, people have been saying that the biggest element of this is that they are not, the the government itself is the biggest employers in the end of the day. And this has been happening now uh, systematically for 10 years, more or less, where people like uh, are going from uh, there. There is literally fleeing from the private sector to the, to the government sectors. Uh, or the public sector mm. uh, and this means that uh, we have more people in the public sector than, than in the private sector in Iceland right now so there are way too many people like it's just the public sector is just too big and they are not uh, like uh, laying off people they are not uh, taking pay payment uh, cuts and so on so it's a it's a dilemma and it's they say that it's it's too slow too little and too late mm. Uh, mm. and I I like It feels like that actually could be the case. Mm.
0: Well, we'll see what the response from the government is to that criticism, if indeed there is going to be any. But the budget has been released. Talking of private companies which are having to lay off staff, one private company that's been around in Iceland for such a very long time, very suddenly on Friday dispensed with its 100 employees, Freta the newspaper closing its doors... It also had a TV channel as well, which is now off there. This was a daily newspaper. It had become a free newspaper. But Blythe has been around for a very long time, hasn't
1: it? Yeah, it, this is uh, a massive shock, uh, to be honest. Uh, I never, I mean, the writing was on the wall, actually, the past, like, two or three months. Uh, but uh, this used to be the strongest newspaper in Iceland, and it changed a lot uh, when it came out. Just to understand how, I like, you have to understand a little bit how Iceland was. Just to understand why Freterblad was so important to Icelanders. Mm. First of all, like we used to have these uh, uh, political party papers, basically, and this was going on until ni- like until like uh, late two thousand, uh, late nineteen ninety. Sorry. Mm. Uh, so it, it means that uh, all these political papers they were uh, they were giants on the market, and one was the biggest one, which was Morkumblad, very connected to the Independence Party, and still is. Uh, and the, it was often made fun of these papers that they they were trying to hide information from the people, mm-hmm. were not telling us everything. And when they told us, they told us with some political kind of a, like a flair, if you if you want. When Freytagblatt came, they destroyed this completely. They were like a bulldozer, went through this and realized that and the people just didn't have any interest in the political views of journalists. <laughs> like nobody cares. <laughs> uh, I think I actually think that's still the case. Right. <laughs> it's always been the case. Uh, ironically they... <laughs> as we sit here having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that uh, they want fretablash uh, showed that they were like uh, they they were not in bad with any of the political parties but the Independence Party attacked them aggressively mm. because they were in bed with a billionaire. That's that was the, like the bad billionaire, like and th- this is how often Icelanders can be black and white in some ways. We ha- you have a good billionaire that everybody <laughs> accepts somehow, <laughs> and then you have the bad one. And Jo scared Jo son. he was the one that funded the paper, uh, and then uh, the paper like and yeah, and that was just a a massive battle, mm. more or less, and uh, the Mindy's Panthers Party have often, uh, like, gone against uh, media in Iceland very aggressively. There was also the thing called Northern Lights, the Northern Lights. Mm. It was a company that owned, owned Channel 2, uh, Bilgjan, yeah, yeah. and so on. Uh, and there was, uh, like, another bad billionaire that owned that and so on. That was always the narrative, of course. Uh, But Fretablaði proved themselves to be quite uh, capable and they were absolutely amazing for the longest time. Uh, But then, of course, uh, you always become the villain somehow in your own story if you just are there long enough. (laughs) Uh, And that was the case also with Fretablaði. It's been, uh, had many faces and in the end, it it was, uh, I I mean, I have to say it it didn't look good for Fretablaði. They were not a good newspaper in the end uh, and they were doing a lot of odd things, Mostly because again, there was some like one more delusional billionaire that like wanted to play around with the the media.
0: And you've got, of course, advertising falling away, as you will know from your time at Grapevine, advertising falling away to nothing during the worst of the pandemic. Right. Fred to Blythe was. Dependent on that entirely, yeah. it had become a free newspaper. I think what's really striking about this story is the speed with which it came to an end. Maybe yeah. not hugely surprising that, regrettably, the newspaper was in some difficulty. I know. But there was an editorial meeting on Friday morning. Yeah. Staff were there planning what was going to be in yeah. the newspaper, and what, an hour later or something, a second meeting. Was they called. didn't,
1: yeah, they didn't execute this very well, in my opinion. Uh, they, they were everybody was just working on the the weekend magazine uh, part of the paper. Uh, and they were having meetings in the morning and nobody did, no, knew anything. And they just yeah. uh, just said, it's it's done. It's always just... I was actually sitting in court that day <laughs> and there was a journalist uh, from Fretablad. I just looked at him like, have you seen the news? And he was like, no. And like, he checked the news. He was like, right. And I was like, what are you going to do? And he just, I don't know, he just packed uh, packed his stuff and I was like... I'm just going home. I guess. Yeah. Oh. So it was just That's, it was brutal you know. It's,
0: it's 100 people losing their jobs which in a, yeah. a country of this size city of this size is significant it's anyway. It's massive it's, it's m- a big number of people losing it, their
1: Yeah, jobs. it's massive. Uh, of those 100 people these are 40 to 50 uh, journalists and and uh, and uh, photographers uh, the rest is like uh, selling ads uh, yeah. and so on. Uh, and yeah, it's it's quite the toll definitely. It's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah.
0: Well, we wish every one of them well, and I suppose the only upside about the my observations of the Icelandic media market is that things move very quickly. Yeah, right. So when one door closes, another one may well open, and there could well yeah. be something that pops up in the next few weeks that gives employment to all these people. And that's
1: a, yeah, that's exactly what the press, uh, uh, the, the, the 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 president of the press association in Iceland said. She is hoping because this is such a massive number of people that mm. something might actually good come out of this. Yeah. A lot of experience and so on.
0: Is there an appetite? for people to read this content. Obviously not an appetite to advertise for the reasons that we've discussed. But that that's that that's one end of the equation. Do people want to still read newspapers? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean yes
1: and no. Uh I mean just look at yourself like how how when when was the last time you read the
0: newspaper, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, well, actually, it was Friday, bizarrely, because we picked up a free copy <laughs> of what I think was the final edition of Fretta Yeah, right. In, in bonus. I mean, I don't, I don't
1: read it uh, on like uh, physically. I I read it online, yeah. the PDF and so on. I mean, even our own behavior is just changing. Uh, there is nothing odd about that. But the the the, the big problem is obviously, and it, it's almost like a cliche just to go into it, is the big social media and how they are uh, like doing things. Uh, but also just the government in, in any country in the world, when it comes to this, mm. like why are they not taxing this? Why are they not uh, like forcing these uh, companies to have a, a tax, sec- like, Canitala, tell- like mm. a sec- social sec- security number, like in in the country that they are in? Uh, then you could use that money actually to because in the end, uh, Facebook has just been stealing my writing for like fifteen years. It's just. It's bizarre if you think about it.
0: Mm. And, and of course, Facebook's defense, if they made one, would probably be: "But we're getting new exposure."
1: Well, yeah, you can't not spend anymore. That, can you? <laughs> yeah, not anymore are they? No, <laughs> no indeed that, not. That's 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 the. That's the, that's the um, but the the middleman in in the the age of internet is always getting more. That's the funniest yeah, yeah, thing. It's like yeah. uh, the Spotify, uh, like Facebook and news and so on. It's just the middleman is getting fatter and fatter, but the one that cre- create anything are getting. Yeah, it.
0: But we've got to that place now where, and I don't know who's ultimately responsible for this, whether it's inevitable because of technology or whether news outlets have been complicit themselves or whether it's a regulatory problem. News has become one of those things that people don't expect to pay for. Yeah, in right. the same way that music is now something that they don't really expect to pay
1: for. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's actually very true. And that was also the heart the of Frettabla, for example, and they changed a lot when it came to Iceland. We got these changes a little bit earlier, if you, if you think about it, where, like, you got the news always for free in Iceland, mm. the newspaper for free. Mm-hmm. Because when I was I was growing up, you had to, like, pay a good money for having a, a subscription to a nice magazine. Mm-hmm. But that was not in Iceland.
0: Well, when we first came, it was 1998, and I sort of proudly <laughs> told people of what I knew of Iceland, having come here on holiday, which is quite an unusual thing to do. Uh-huh. But in the 90s, I think I'm right in saying that Iceland could boast of having four daily newspapers, Yeah, which for a, a city of the size of Reykjavik right. and for a country the size of Iceland was pretty impressive. And it lent weight to the idea that this is a very literary yeah. uh, society yeah. that, that puts a lot of stress on the written word.
1: And This is actually a very good point because I always also use this against Icelanders, this point, uh, especially when people are like, oh, the media in Iceland is absolute shit and so on. And then I was at, like, well, it isn't actually. It is actually, we have, when we were the, the healthiest, actually, not perhaps now, Then we had like yeah, f- four newspapers. We had two very good TV, like, you know, uh, news station, uh, uh, like in, in TV. Uh, and uh, it was a very healthy, competitive market with very, like, good writers and so on. And, and I said, like, just look at any other, like, uh, city with 300,000 people. You yeah. will not find this uh, environment there. Yes. No. It's incredible, actually. No.
0: And we should say as well, talking of the media, I think we did mention this, but with the demise of Fred Blythe, there's a TV channel that's now off the air as well. Yeah. Ringbreit is, is think, no longer around.
1: Yeah, Ringbreit. That was an odd one. Uh, not many are going to miss that, though. <laughs> Just to be brutally honest. Yes. All right.
0: Well, let's stay with politics. I want to end with the no confidence motion that was placed in and against the justice minister Jon Gunnarsson. Yeah. He survived. No great surprise because no. the votes lined up according to whether you're in the government or in the opposition.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it always goes south. <laughs> I mean, it's a statement, obviously, from the government, from the uh, from the the minority. Mm. Uh, but this was our. Question about uh, how Jón Gunnarsson, uh, a ministry of justice, was blocking uh, the
0: the uh, UTL. Uh, mm. How is that in English? It's the Department of Immigration. Yeah. The minister of justice had delayed oh, really? the information coming from UTL, from the Department of Immigration, uh, going to Althingy, going to the parliament. Exactly. And the thing is, of course, this was uh, deemed uh, illegal. Like he was mm.
1: not allowed to do this. Uh, and therefore, uh, like not illegal, it was like uh, unlawful. Unlawful, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, a
0: distinction we've played with a lot in the UK, yeah, <laughs> with various exactly. prime ministers, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but uh, the thing, of course, is that uh, uh, it was it was uh, definitely a weird thing to do for Jon Uh But this is, of course, is not about that case. Mm. This is about Jon Kunerson. This was about nothing else. And Jon Kunerson has been incredibly, odd, almost. Uh, dare I say, Trump is kind of a character <laughs> in the Icelandic government uh, where he has been doing, playing solo, more or less, mm. here, because uh, the government, and especially the Independence Party, and he is in the Independence Party, uh, has had a pretty liberal kind of a, like uh, view uh about a lot of things. Uh, the, the, there's a very progressive people in in the in the front line, uh, and then you have Jon Gunnarsson, with feel, which feels like a, a character from the 18th century, you know. Uh, and it's interesting just to see. I mean, he has been. Uh, uh, f- he, he, he like uh, allowed uh, Icelandic police officers to have uh, tasers, I think it's called, mm. uh, and uh, he has been very sympathetic about uh, like systems like uh, like police and so
0: on. And he wanted to sell off TF SIF, didn't he? The uh, coast guard. He wanted to plane. sell. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to
1: sell off the coast guard plane. Yeah, which is incredibly yeah. hilarious, and of course. He was—he was literally just taken back with that. He was just slap, sla- yeah, like sl- yeah. slapped, like slapped. I
0: spoke to someone who thought that he was sort of flying a kite with that. In other words, yeah. suggesting an idea that was so awful right. that no one would ever go yeah. along with it, and therefore he'd protect the the plane yeah. by doing so. Are You convinced I, by that argument? Yes, I actually think that's—it <laughs> makes
1: sense in, yeah. in 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 his world. I think. Right. Uh, I also just think that he runs a little bit before he thinks Uh, he tests out ideas on the public uh, just to see how it goes into them. Uh, And uh, this was perhaps one of them. So it was like when, for example, with the tasers and the police, Icelanders have always been very opposed to anything when it comes to the police and weapons. Uh, also, the police in Iceland, they actually have access to guns if they need and so on. They have a lot of things to <laughs> to secure I'm themselves.
0: Interested by what the chair of the Left Green Party said. Now, the Left Green, of course, is in the coalition. The yeah. Prime Minister, Katrin Jakobsdottir, is part of the Left Greens, but mm-hmm. they're not the biggest party. I think they're the third well, biggest party yeah. in the coalition. The chair of the party, uh, Ori Part Johansson, said before the vote, I support this government for continued good work. In the interest of the country and the people, so he was basically saying, "This is a vote of confidence in the whole government." In other words, if, <laughs> if the justice minister yeah. loses this, then the government falls.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been that, of course. Yeah. That would be the next step of uh, interpreting what would have happened if, if it would have gone. I think way? he was
0: giving the left greens cover then for supporting someone that they probably don't like very
1: much. <laughs> I mean, they they did not have any choice either way. No. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, they are like people are often talking about like a hostage situation almost <laughs> when it comes to these parties <laughs> and it's like and that's, that's a little bit true <laughs> True, so yeah. I mean John Gunnarsson is just a uh, I, I mean as a journalist I absolutely love this man <laughs> It's like the more, the the, the the noise, the better, you know. And, and it's absolutely hilarious sometimes just to watch how he is like an elephant in a, like, just like crushing everything around him.
0: <laughs> what do you think was the point then of this motion coming from four different opposition parties? It yeah. was never going to succeed. Were they trying right. to embarrass the left greens into supporting him, maybe?
1: Uh, yeah, the thing, there were a few tricks here, which was impressive. First of all, I think that they thought, uh, the, the minority... That they could drag this along a little bit longer, but uh, they just finished this on like what two days or something, yeah, yeah. which was v- quite impressive. So it didn't become a massive thing. Also, uh, they like the government has been in in quite the, the trouble also because of a court case uh, around the uh, linter uh, Incredibly boring case, but it, it might cost billions and so on. Uh, and uh, like uh, there was there was uh, the government was accused of not wanting to give uh, information that the public was uh, right to see mm. and they were fighting about this and so on and it never, it's never a good look just to to hide information is it but no. they were they were a little bit f- like losing that debate
0: it's not a good look if you're then discovered to have done it right <laughs> if you can get away with it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and
1: right. the th- the thing is in the end <laughs> this comes up they were like yes yours. i mean whatever because they were being hammered in the yeah, in the yeah. other case and this comes up, they finish this in two days, and they're scot-free. Like, everybody's forgotten about everything. And, of course, Young Gunnarsson is not... I mean, the good news, of course, for the minority is that Young uh, Gunnarsson has to go in two months, I think. He's uh, he only going to sit half of the the four years of... Uh, he's only sitting two years of four years of the... the he's go-
0: only got a period of time left in his term.
1: And It's like uh, there will be another woman taking, uh, taking uh, Ministry of Justice... Uh, and she will be uh uh
0: the next two years basically so that happens anyway yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's already planned
1: that's that's always gonna okay. happen yeah, yeah yeah it's gonna yeah. be in in May June so it's like uh, it doesn't really matter like what people think about Dion you know, he he he's going early and and is is and he was quite uh, an interesting character while he was there as a minister.
0: Yeah. And will he pop up again in government elsewhere? Do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. When it is very unlike, actually, when it comes to Britain and, and Iceland, it's like they don't often go like switch seats or anything like that. Yeah. He's probably have to gonna have to wait for a while now.
0: Yes, well, in, in the UK, of course, you can be fired for breaking the ministerial code one, yeah. one week, and literally back in the same job under a different prime minister the next week. Right, I have, I not- I I have noticed about
1: that. I have noticed that it's very quick in England, but it's very slow here. Yeah. We're a very
0: forgiving country, maybe. Let's <laughs> yeah, us will <just> say that. <laughs> Uh, Valur, thank you so much. I wish it was tomorrow because then Polly would be here. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. to so do bring her in. And, and if you don't know what we're talking about, well, where have you been? Firstly, because it seems <laughs> like everybody in Iceland is familiar with Valur and his dog Polly. And it's just worth remembering that you know, at the height of the pandemic, it was also the height of volcano season here in yeah, Iceland. Right, <laughs> the volcanoes were erupting. And, and and just to go back to our media conversation there, at a time when. Your magazine was, like all media outlets, really struggling to right. persuade people to spend money on advertising. Yeah. You were getting two million views yeah, it was incredible. Of, of the work you were doing walking up and down the volcano.
1: <laughs> I have never. I, I've been a journalist. and The funniest thing is like when people got to know me on YouTube, they didn't know that I, I've been just a journalist for years. Uh, but uh, I was never as famous as I was <laughs> after, after the YouTube thing. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, why? Like, how did, do they even, why are they even so impressed? It's like, it's pretty basic journalism, you know, yeah. just to walk around to talk about volcanoes.
0: Where, where was your most distant <laughs> fan? Did you have people in New Zealand, Australia, South a- America? A lot of Australia, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I didn't really keep a track like that. But yeah. <laughs> I was I was quite taken that a lot of people from Australia were uh, on YouTube, yeah. uh, and I I thought to myself it's perhaps not good. It, it feels like a lot of older people are now on YouTube, and uh, and a, there are a lot of misinformation going on, and yeah. perhaps that's why they are there. <laughs> I don't know. So
0: when's the next eruption then? You must have insider knowledge now, of having spent so long walking up and down the last <laughs> <Yeah>. one.
1: <laughs> well, isn't it always in Vatnajökull? It's in somewhere in Askia or or yeah. or Grims, uh, I, I can't even remember, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, uh, it's always, keep in mind, it's always uh, five years between, at least, mm. so it's like, uh, that, that's the longest time that goes between, uh,
0: between. so it's like, we have, what, four, three years, Yeah, yeah, something like that. Rule of thumb, we'll keep an eye out yeah. for that then, for sure. <laughs> Valo, thank you very much indeed, we will doubtless talk again, we'll play out today with a piece of music which I really, really like, this is from Anton Bach who you might know is Anton Bjarki Johansson he was born in 1994 in Akureyri he's been making music for as long as he can remember and this is his first song despite that you know lifetime of music creation his album is called Spaceman. it's coming out soon this song he says is a mixture of various trends and therefore something i think for everyone this is called Dots this is the roving english podcast get in touch anytime on email we are english at ruv.is
1: Let her be discovered, the stars are just blue It could be a hideaway, although I only dream In the face, wide awake and looking through the screens Following the control, looking for my place Space Juba's door, a human in his holy land Pharaoh full of links and traces, knowing every common land Spaceship, navigation, command and supply Incentive, were was Oh yeah. yeah. You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.